He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to episode six of Munson's at the Movies. My name's Kyle. I will be your host here with the rest of these Munson's for another fantastic Munson's at the Movies recording. Um, I want to give these guys a wide berth. He's what is called a born loser. A real Munson. <laughs> Talk a little bit about what's going on in your worlds right now, boys. James, how about you, man? Isolation's got me missing some stuff. I know it's necessary, but they're just like normal things in life I miss. Probably similar to you guys, like like sports or, you know, any other emotion besides crippling anxiety and existential dread or, you know, <laughs> going to restaurants, just like basic things that, you know, I miss in life. You enjoy being around the lady, but could use a little bit of space is what it sounds like. Literally anything outside the house <laughs> would be great. <laughs> just go out, go for a jog, man. You guys oh, know what uh, I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> you know exactly what you mean. Rigby, how about New York, man? How about the epicenter of COVID? It sucks being cooped up in a 350-foot square apartment, and that's being generous on the square footage. I definitely miss sports. I definitely miss, like James said, being able to go to a bar and drink while watching sports. This is when baseball is starting. This is when March Madness. This is this is like the best time of year for sports, so it sucks not having it. In the long term, sports don't really mean much compared to uh, a lot of people getting sick and dying. So I, I understand why they're canceled, but hopefully it'll be over soon. I've heard that there might be a three- to six-month extension on this from the government, which uh, will complicate things, to say the least. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Warren, tell us about the life of almost being a dad. As Europe said, it's the, uh, it's the final countdown. You know, shit's getting real. But uh, I'm kind of at a point where, you know, I don't really like being told what to do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when people say, hey, you need to do this, I start thinking of ways to get around it. And so then when it's like, I have to stay inside. I don't mind staying inside as long as it's my opinion. Like, I'm like, hey, I would mm-hmm. love to stay inside. I, ha- I could go do all these things outside, but fuck that. I'm going to stay inside. But now that I have to stay inside, I just want to go do stuff elsewhere. Yep. You know, so that, that kind of blows. We all could use a little choice in our lives at this point. Yeah. But hey, we're all getting $1,200 checks. Unless you make seventy five grand or more. Yeah. I'm going to spend it on Coke. <laughs> you can just spend- I'm not in the... Uh- the non-for-profit, so I'm above that. <laughs> so when I say we all, I mean a few of us are getting $1,200 checks. And what I mean by check, I mean advance on next year's taxes from the government. Mm-hmm. Spend it wisely if you're one of those humans. Case? I've never really had a great barometer or thermometer for what's, what's awesome and not awesome. Uh, and that's even gotten worse because the other day, in the afternoon, I had I had two robot vacuums fighting in my home office, which I watched. And and, it, and, and James, to your point, it, it took the place of sports. I started thinking to myself, which it's one like, of these is going to win? It's like a homemade homemade episode of BattleBots. I was going to record it and put it up on Twitter, but I I was I was too locked into the action. Yeah, Craig. Next time you do the uh, the battle bots with the vacuums, put numbers on them and start taking bets. I'm I was going to say, like, <laughs> what does it say about me? Is I want to gamble on your Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> next time, live video for us, and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll send bets at that time. I may clear out the room and just 
have an empty room and let these two things go at it and see which wins. Yeah, if people <laughs> donate certain money, yeah, if you say, hey, I'm going to put 50 bucks on this guy, then you get to add like a trinket or like a weapon to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm off <laughs> Electrical <laughs> tape, a butter knife to it or something. And, yeah. That, the, house, the, house collects, the house collects 10%. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Duh. I know you grill, Case, so get one of those large, like, grilling forks and just put one of one of those suckers on top. So that's been fun. The other notes, shout out to Rigby and Warren for uh, making an appearance on the CF3 pod, reviewing Commando. Any, uh, how was that experience? That was a lot, man. Those guys, those guys know their shit, but it was a lot of fun uh, talking about a shitty movie because that is like right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, me too, especially that one. It's one of those that... yeah. I told the guys I hadn't seen the whole thing. I'd seen like bits and pieces of it sort of over the years, just kind of strung together, but I hadn't seen the whole thing until like a year ago. I think when I finished watching the whole thing, I realized why I hadn't, why I hadn't seen the whole thing. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, there's parts of it that are awesome, and then there's parts of it that are just so ridiculous that you yeah. just kind of... That's what you would expect out of art, and that's that's what I love. Like, it's just like, you can barely... Like, he was still super new on the scene, Really struggled with English, but whenever he deliberately said something, it was like one word and it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. In college, I used to play a drinking game to that as like a little pregame. And it was you take a sip of beer every time someone gets murdered. (laughs) And uh, it starts off, you know, just casual. And then there's like the last half hour of the movie where you're just slamming beers as he's blowing away people (laughs) like 30 at a time with bazookas. There's a uh, count of 102 kills from Arsenal. There you go. So yeah, exactly. you're, you're fucking out. <laughs> you're wasted. Yeah. If you make it to the end of the movie, you're going to be in the hospital yeah. by the end. Well, you guys were funny as hell. I listened in. I've never, I've actually never seen Commando all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces, but based on uh, what you guys talked about, it probably, I don't know if I really want to go see it, but it yeah. was entertaining to listen to. You and Steve can talk about it. Because <laughs> he didn't see it either. <laughs> fucking, fucking Steve for too much scrolling. He's like, yeah, I got to be out here because they'll give me shit like they'll give Kyle. I'm like, listen, I'm not showing up on any fucking <laughs> podcast if I haven't seen the movie. That's just not what I'm doing. As always, we get into a little IMDb birthdays. Warren, what do we got for us? First off, we're going to go Dennis Quaid. Uh, breaking away frequency, the rookie, and more recently, movie 43. <laughs> How old is Dennis Quaid? Handsome 60. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I think he's older than we think Ooh, he is. Think I'm going to give him 62. I'm going to go. I hope I get this right because I love Breaking Away. That's one of my favorite movies. I'm going to go 67. 58. He is Randy Quaid. I mean, 66 years old. So that means Hickman took I it. I took it. <laughs> yeah. Mark, you fucked that one up. One year off. <laughs> Was Randy love, Quaid? I'd love, love, love to know what Randy Quaid's Boy. up to these days. I'm good. Breaking Away, there was yeah. a lot of five side references sure. in that movie. Little five. Next up, we got Kristen Stewart. Twilight. Recent Charlie's Angels, Adventureland, American Ultra, bunch of shitty movies. Underwater. How old is Kristen Stewart? 29. 32. 28. 31. 30. So Ooh, let's go. took that one to 29. You guys went 28, 29, 31, 32. James takes that one. And last but not least, we got Jay Chandrasekhar. Broken Lizard fame, Super Troopers, Slammin' Salmon, bunch of TV directing credits, too. You have to ask. You can't afford it. That's right. ZJ's. <laughs> 49. 45? Yeah, I was going to say 49 too, so I'll go I'll go 48. 42. He is 52 years old. Oh, wow. Wow. Those are the, uh, the good birthdays for today. Everybody else, happy birthday. 
We had five actors that we were potentially covering on today's episode. Those five were Katie Hudson, I mean Holmes. Yeah, that was a screw Julianne up. And more. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes you <laughs> fuck up. And old Jordy Hall spotted the fuck up. Yep. Appreciate old, you, Jordan. Old Chode. <laughs> the old Chode. That's right. <laughs> Love you, Jordy. Uh, so we had Katie Holmes. Julianne Moore, Leah Thompson, Nami Watts, and Craig Robinson. And as we uh, have already discussed, Craig Robinson is our featured actor for this episode. So we are going to start with some actor trivia. James, t- tell us about Craig and probably someone from Fast and the Furious. I, so yes, you're correct. The additional fact <laughs> in here is about someone from Fast and Furious. Um, so what we do here is two truths and a lie. It's going to be two interesting facts about Craig Robinson and one fact that is actually about someone from Fast and the Furious. Um, <laughs> you guys kind of got hip to me the last few episodes because I only was doing Vin Diesel facts and I ran out of them pretty quickly. Uh, so now we're, we're bouncing around the entire cast moving forward. Um, so we'll go with fact number one. Craig is actually cousins with comedy legend and Chicago native Richard Pryor who he credits for pursuing, uh, for him wanting to pursue show business. Fact number two, uh, he is the lead singer and keyboard player for a band called Nasty Delicious. And he actually plays piano, guitar, and the drums as well. And fact number three, before going into show business, he was a music teacher for grades kindergarten through eighth grade in Chicago. Damn. Yeah, good those, job. Those are some good ones, man. Those are tough ones. I, I believe three is true, but I think you could fiddle with one and two. Someone else go. I'll I'll come in later. I'm going to say one. Yeah, I'm going to say Richard Pryor is the lie. Do we think that's a Tyrese fact? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's almost too, it's too specific, too obvious. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't it be Vin Diesel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> CF3 was on to us, man. They were asking about Vin Diesel during your episode. So we have two votes for number one. Kyle, where are you at? I'm going to go number two. I'm contrarian. Okay. And Craig, what do you think? I'm going to take number two as well. I was trying to think of somebody that that might be instead, but I'm, I'm drawing a blanks. But I will go number two. This is the first time we've ever been split. So I worked pretty hard to come up with something that would confuse you on this because of how easily you got the last few. So fact number three is actually true. Uh, before going into show business, he was a music teacher uh, for kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, He actually got a bachelor's degree in music from Illinois State and then a master's degree in music education from Xavier. He has been big into music as well as music education throughout his entire life. Fact number two is actually true. He is the lead singer and keyboard player for a band called Nasty Delicious. Um, (laughs) They are a mix of funk music and comedy. Uh, He's actually had them play in a couple of his movies. And their most popular song title is uh, called Take Your Panties Off. Yeah. <laughs> Take your panties out. And fact number one, uh, he's actually not related to Richard Pryor and does not credit him for pursuing a career in show business. That's actually a fact about Ludacris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. He discovered his love for acting when he was studying for his master's degree, and he actually joined up with the fairly famous uh, Second City Theater Group, where a lot of famous comedians have started, and before he actually started doing stand-up full-time. Yeah, that's a really famous improv group. The uh, James, you're damn good at that, man. I'm, dude, I had to try. I there had to are. fight for that one. That was good. When I saw that Ludacris was from Chicago, I was like, oh, oh buddy, we're making this happen. 
<laughs> I knew he was in a band. I just couldn't remember the name of it. So I thought might, you might have fiddled with the name mm-hmm. of the band. Wait, did you say Ludacris was from Chicago? Yeah. My mind is absolutely blown. Buddy, the internet's never lied once. I thought he was from Atlanta. Well, he moved to Atlanta. Born and raised in Chicago, moved to Atlanta. Sings about the Falcons all the time. Do you, do you feel icky right now, Warren? Oh, man. You've been lied to? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've had sex on the 50-yard line while the Dirty Birds kicked the tree. <laughs> <laughs> you got wined and dined, and now you feel yeah. you're left behind. Craig, tell us a little bit about Craig Robinson's snapshot in box office history. It's a lot of Craigs. I'm sorry. Got to call you Case. Got to stick to that. You know, the challenging thing with, with Craig Robinson's box office is he hasn't really done a lot of the leading roles. He's, he's filling in a lot of stuff. You know, his three biggest, Pineapple Express, that he was a part of, Pineapple Express, Knocked Up, and This is the End. Which of those three do you guys think? Carried the most weight in the box office. Knocked up. Yeah, I'll go knocked up. Pineapple Express. I'm going pineapple. Knocked up, ended up running away with it. The interesting thing on that one, I didn't realize how well this is the end in the box office. Hmm. It's, uh, it's worldwide gross was $126 million on a $32 million budget. That's a lot for a comedy. And I was really surprised by that. The tough thing for Craig Robinson is that you know, he's he's not the leading role in a lot of movies. He's done mostly TV work, right? And, and I think that's where he carries the most weight. Mm-hmm. The one leading role that I could find some box office information on is a movie called Peoples that he did with Kerry Washington. Tyler Perry. Yeah, and that was a 2013. It didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, in Hollywood, they're paying you or they're gambling on you based on what your last project was. So for him to be a leading man in that movie and have it lose money in the box office probably didn't help him. And that's probably hurt him from getting into some of those more lead characters. But, you know, with him being a TV guy, this was just a less, a, a less interesting box office snapshot than, than we normally have. Craig Robinson's been in the game for about 17 years. His uh, first spot was in 2003 on a show called Lucky. Um, none of us have seen it, so that we can't really comment on that. But he's been in some other TV spots over the years. I was watching a YouTube clip, and he mentioned he was on an episode of Friends, um, where he was in a scene with Phoebe at one point. Um, but his first big break was in 2005 in The Office as Daryl Philbin, which, based on the Instagram stories just from today, seems to be probably his most famous and popular role. Um, so, Daryl, what comes to mind when you guys think of Daryl from The Office? I mean, The Office is one of the most successful sitcoms potentially ever. And for him to be a main character on there for his first role, a lot of actors on there, that was their first role. But it was clear with him that his comedic timing and his kind of deadpan delivery um, set him apart. And I think he was the like great kind of counterpoint to Michael Scott, uh, Steve Carell's main characters, like innocent, but ignorant racism. And the way Daryl would check him was always hilarious because he did it with a straight face. And it was like a playful banter that, Steve Carell's character always thought was serious. And so like some of my favorite running bits are like he would make up slang terms and tell Steve Carell. And I, I have some of them written down. One of them was fleece it out. <laughs> Bippity boppity. Give me the zoppity. <laughs> Go in Mach five. 
and then the one that gets played off through a bunch of different episodes throughout those series is a uh, Dink and Flicka, which doesn't mean anything. And he just use it all the time. It's like Dink and Flicka, Dink and Flicka. I was going to say Stanley never checks Michael Ever. for his racism, yeah. so Daryl had to. Yeah, right. It's Somebody so had fun. To. Like he asks him, he's like, "Hey, Daryl, have have you ever been in a gang before?" And he responds with, "Yes, uh, the Bloods, the Crips, the Latin Kings, the Warriors, the Newsies." <laughs> I've been in them all. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny, man. <laughs> like, how'd you get jumped into your gangs? Like, we do this thing where we tickle each other. It's called Fluffy Fingers. And he's like, wow, they tickle each other? They get into gangs? That's crazy. <laughs> I think my favorite uh, scene with Daryl is when he's helping Michael move the HR woman that he's in love with, played by Amy Ryan. And the... The trip starts innocent enough, and then halfway through, it becomes clear that she doesn't want to do long distance anymore, and he's stuck in this car with these two oh, people yeah. who are clearly like, the whole very <laughs> emotionally unintelligent, yeah. and he just has to sit there and pretend like this is happening. <laughs> and they listen to the same song over and over and over again. It's, uh, life is a highway. <laughs> they just keep listening over and over. <laughs> you can tell Daryl just wants to murder everybody in that car. The damn good show. There's and so many great one-liners, and it kind of shows like Craig Robinson's talent is he's got this deadpan delivery, but just like an unbelievable ability to drop a one-liner that just like steals the scene. And that show had an eight-year run, um, and he played a huge role in it. So a, a great way to start off his career. He was in Knocked Up in 2007. Plays the uh, the evil doorman to Leslie Mann and um, Catherine Heigl. Because he call he won't let him in because they're they're not because they're one is one is pregnant and one's old isn't he like you're right I hate this fucking job yeah she she roasts him <laughs> yeah he won't let her in and yeah she's like oh do you think you're cool because you know you're a big tough doorman you won't let us in he's like I hate this fucking job <laughs> <laughs> he's like don't get me wrong I think you're hot as hell <laughs> I don't sleep I have the brunt yeah. stuff in there <laughs> I can't eat. But man, I would I would tear that up. <laughs> He's like, you're old. She's pregnant. Can't have a bunch of old pregnant bitches running around. <laughs> I think that was a really good sort of early preview to what his comedy was so, sort of going to turn into eventually. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Which in his early the early days of his career, it's a lot of small comedic parts. So. Yep. And then in, also in 2007, he was in Walk Hard, Dewey Cox. He played a character called Bobby Shad. Walkhard's hysterical. He's just in the movie for like a total of like three minutes. Craig plays a, a band leader for uh, uh, an African-American band in the, what, 50s, 60s? And so they play like little dance joints and everything. John C. Riley is a like a cleaner. Uh, like he mops floors at this club and he watches them and he imitates them. <laughs> right. He can't sing one night. And so John C. Riley, dude Cox gets up on stage, knows his entire set, sings just like he will, throws out colloquialisms like he does, and the whole place gets fucking rocking. It's like a, it's like a um, sarcastic kind of view of like, Elvis's story where he gets up there and instead of being like, hey, I'm a soul singer, I'm not stealing black music, he just gets up there and the song is all about like, black people love me, I'm so popular with black people. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, you gotta love the Negro. Yeah. That's what it, yeah. That's what it says. <laughs> yeah, the name of the song is Women Love a Negro. <laughs> right. It's it's like, all black people and the one white guy. The reason it's hilarious is that because he, get, he gets up there and beforehand, Tim Meadows' character is like, do it exactly like Bobby Shad would do. And he's like, 
you know, I was up here and you know how a man, he starts talking all black and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the crowd's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you seriously never seen it, Rigby? No, I haven't. God damn it, dude. It's so it's stupid, cool. but it's very funny. Yeah, it's very quotable. Yeah, when he especially especially when he gets into like his Bob Dylan days. <laughs> I mean, that's the fucking best. Rigby, you'd love it. That's on my homework. I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. Well, that brings us to 2008, uh, which brings us his first feature film. So his his biggest role in a feature film, because we as we talked about, he's been in some other bigger films, but smaller roles. And that that film in tw- 2008 was Pineapple Express. And so I had the pleasure this week of, of re-watching Pineapple Express. Not going to spend a lot of time rehashing the uh, synopsis because I'm pretty sure almost everybody's seen Pineapple Express at, at this point, 12 years later. But I will just read to you what the uh, the IMDb says as a description, just in case you haven't seen it in a while, if you're in the audience. And that's a process server played by Seth Rogen and his marijuana dealer played by James Franco. Uh, end up on the road from hitmen and a corrupt police officer, played by Rosie Perez, after Seth Rogen's character witnesses his dealer's boss, played by Gary Cole, murder a competitor, the Asians, I put that in air quotes, um, while trying to serve papers on him. They're sold out by their dealer, Red, played by Danny McBride, and they spend most of the movie running away from the hitmen. Um, there's a side story with Dale and his high school girlfriend. He's 25 and he's dating a 17, 18-year-old, played by Amber Heard, um, and her parents who want to kill him. Um, the whole movie ends in a massive shootout at Ted's Weed Facility. The Asians <laughs> ambush them during a shipment. Um, Red saves the day, despite initially disappearing, and the movie gets extremely gory at the end. Craig Robinson plays a uh, one of those hitmen named Matheson. He and Budlovsky, which are the weirdest fucking names. Who is so Budlovsky is played by Kevin Corrigan, who just wants to get home to his wife the entire movie, right? Just wants to give up this life. Uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> Wanna go home? Dude, I love Pineapple Express. That is a great it's movie. So fucking good. The dude's got a bullet in his side and his leg and he's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna go home for dinner. Like nothing happened, right? Like I'm just gonna wrap it up. Dude is gonna be late <laughs> asshole. <laughs> All Craig Robinson's scenes are are like so subtly hysterical. Like, like when they're when he's got Danny McBride a gun to him, he's like, "Tell me where they went," and he's like, "Dude, I told you everything. I said they went in the backyard. Like I told you they did this. They tied me up." He's like, "He's not telling us anything." He's like, "What? You want me to read the fucking horoscope? Like, what more information do you need?" <laughs> he's like, "I told you everything." <laughs> he's got him tied up, and he's like. Tell us where they are, and he's like, oh, Matheson, that's even wearing British nights. I ain't seen anybody wearing those since 1984. Yeah. God, right in the belly. <laughs> um, fucking, I don't know, Robinson's role is like this simultaneous uh, goofball and a ruthless killer. Like, Kevin Gorgon seems like he has some humanity until the end when it kind of, the roles flip. There's that iconic gif that you guys used of him being like, I'm so excited (laughs) to go in, right? But then he's he's on the phone with with Ted and just like, Ted's like, just kill him. And he just turns over and just shoots him straight in the gut. (laughs) Like, he just doesn't care. He gets his face fucked up with the cop. (laughs) And the quote is, I look like hamburger, an elephant man. (laughs) I think the highlight of his his scenes in the film is right at the end when he's got the gun to Franco to Saul's character and is about to shoot him. And then red comes in and that scream he does right before he gets just 
demolished by the car. That oh! <laughs> like, just, just kills me every time. So there's certainly no grandeur insight about his role. It's a comedic role that's he's a hitman and he adds a comedic twist to what is normally a pretty serious role. That is my review. He got smashed by a lotto and then gets his foot blown off by a shotgun. <laughs> I love when uh, when James Franco and Seth Rogen are tied up in the room and they're ta- they're telling each other the escape plan and Robinson just walks in. He's like, I can hear you guys from in the hallways. Like, shut the fuck up. I was like, and they stopped talking. He's like, you're going to use your belt to, yeah, I heard the whole thing. He's like, shut up. We can hear you outside. He's good. He's tons so good. and tons of quotable one-liners from Craig Robinson, which is a theme in a lot of his movies. 2008, he's also in Zack and Mary Make a Porno. He plays a producer who just wants to see some titties. Delaney, is, uh, he's about to be Oprah Rich after he settles a, a claim with uh, the U.S. Post Service. <laughs> Which he eventually gets that monies. But 2009, we have the goods. Live hard, sell hard. He's to me, is the funniest part of the movie. Um, he plays a character named DJ Request, who's <laughs> first starts out as a DJ at a strip club that Jeremy Piven and his colleagues go to, and they discover him, and they invite him to attend their uh, 4th of July car sale um, at their car dealership. And uh, <laughs> the, the running gag of the, of the movie is that DJ Request hates to be told, even though his name is Request, he hates to be told to, when he gets requested songs. <laughs> it's such a simple but hysterical <laughs> gag. It, it truly like, is. Um, and it works really well. It literally goes all the way until the end of the movie. Um, the gag does. I love how he like self-reflects every time. He's like, don't give them power over <laughs> yeah. you. Like, he's so polite. He's like, hey, what do you guys want to hear? And they say something. He's like, great choice. And then to himself, he's like, don't do it. They'll never respect you. At the very beginning of the strip club, they're like, he's like, hey, uh, put your orders in. The chef, the, the cooking staff's about to run up. Are you disgusted? I am. One scene that I laughed at was um, something good happens on the lot. I can't remember. And they're like, play some like energetic, happy, celebratory music. And yeah, it's dude. like dead puppies, dead puppies. Yeah. <laughs> like think of the dead dogs. Think of- yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah, DJ play, play. We are family by sister. Sledge. <laughs> and then he just plays like, music. yeah, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a gag that just, it, like I said, it runs throughout the whole movie and it, it it's funny every time. 2009 also brought him two of his bigger TV show spots, and he was uh, LeVar Freight Train Brown in The Cleveland Show, and he was also in Eastbound and Down as Reggie Mackworthy. So I loved Eastbound and Down, and his character is like the foil to Danny McBride's like dirtbag burnout pitcher, um, and Craig plays a dirtbag burnout hitter, and they bump into each other like buying drugs at a strip club. And immediately, like the rivalry is renewed, and it's one of the funniest scenes in the uh, in the show. And it's they end up gambling on if he if Danny McBride can strike him out, and uh, they do it in front of everybody. And uh, <laughs> Danny McBride ends up just pegging Craig Robinson in the face and blowing his eyeball out. Um, throughout like all their interactions, um, Craig Robinson just talks nonstop shit to Danny McBride about how he sucks and how he's going to take him yard and this, that, and the other thing. And then he just pegs him right in the face and blows his eyeball out. It's, it's just such a hysterical scene. 
And I love how that that sets off a chain of anarchy and rioting at the car dealership <laughs> yeah. with Kenny Rogers level turn you around playing in the background. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Will Ferrell with this just hilarious bleach blonde wig that goes down to like the middle of his back playing a, a used car salesman named Ashley Schaefer. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I've never seen the show, but I've seen that GIF a yeah. million times. Kyle, you would love point. that show. You yeah, would absolutely love it's that great. show. I know I need to watch that and Letter Kenny. I've people have recommended that show what? a ton to me. Letter Letter Kenny is phenomenal. Seen it four times. <laughs> Twenty ten hits and we run into Hot Tub Time Machine, which is one of his more popular and successful movies in terms of ratings from critics and audiences alike. I mean, who here doesn't love Hot Tub Time Machine? That movie was hilarious. I can't believe critics I mean, I guess I, I get in, I'll get into this point a little bit later with my review of Austin Found, but um, critics didn't like this movie. And they're like, oh, the plot's stupid. I'm like, most plots to comedies are stupid. This movie is hysterical. Like, it is a stupid premise, of course. But then his character is this his character is a guy who's married. And when they go back in time, he's afraid he's going to cheat on his wife. And I love the scene where he calls his wife at that time and she's six years old <laughs> in that time. And he's just like, you slut, you sucked his dick, you bitch. And he's just crying. And it's just a six-year-old girl on the other line. And her dad picks up and she's like, who is this? And he's like, get off the phone, Jerry. This isn't about you. It's like, I'm talking to my wife. <laughs> Two things about that role that I think I'll always remember about that movie. One, he has like the it's the scene from the trailer where, you know, the camera zooms in and he sort of says all deadpan, like he usually does. It must be some sort of hot tub time machine. Right. Right. That's sort of the, the <laughs> most, probably the most known line in the movie. Uh, the part I laughed the hardest at, um, was the, uh, was the wife slash young girl scenario, whatever you want to call it. Um, but another funny part is the, uh, the part where he's the part where he seemingly creates uh, famous songs that haven't been uh, <laughs> that haven't been uh, heard of. It's Black Eyed Peas, right? Right, <laughs> like Jesse's Girl yeah. and Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas, and everyone goes nuts. <laughs> I'll say more about Hot Tub Time Machine in my review of Hot Tub Time Machine too. But uh, that that movie's awesome, and he every I feel like he plays that role perfectly in that movie. Also in 2010, he was in Shrek Forever After as Cookie. We mentioned earlier People's 2013. And then fan favorite, This is the End 2013. He plays a caricature of himself and just a phenomenal film, top to bottom. The best scene is when he is repenting for letting Aziz Ansari die. And he's like, there was nothing I could do. And he flashes back and Aziz is like clearly within arm's reach. And he's like, sorry, man, you already <laughs> fell in. He's like, what are you talking? I'm right here. Like, just grab my hand. <laughs> He's, gra- he's grabbing onto his foot. He's <laughs> yeah. kicking him in the face. He's like, oh, there was nothing ow, I could ow. do. Let go of me, Aziz. Let go of me, Aziz. Let go of me, Aziz. <laughs> the movie was so great. Just the fact that they all played themselves. Jonah Hillen is like one of the funniest characters, but like Terrence Peterson, his little flashlight, just throwing in that little additional commentary where you basically have this other little like character and he plays the piano again. Uh, Danny McBride makes fun of for being all hot and sweaty and in the movie rubbing up on somebody. Yeah, he's got a, he carries around a towel to like recognize his sweatiness in it. Yeah, it just it, the movie was fucking great. It, it just played out everything. And then when they see him in heaven, and he lights up a joint with his halo. It's so self aware that movie. The shirt he's wearing throughout the entire movie says "Take your panties off." 
and that is his band. That's actually his band, Nasty Delicious, most popular song. He tries to get he tries to get Rihanna. <laughs> right, that's right. Craig, are you trying to fuck on me? <laughs> <laughs> I did see him live about three years ago, and he played "Take Your Panties Off" in a stand-up special. Oh, so really? that's he, awesome! Uh, he, his entire stand-up special is mostly on the piano. He's awesome. It's really good. Also, in 2013, we had Rapture Palooza, where Craig plays the Antichrist, who's super horny constantly throughout the movie. <laughs> And I mean, it's Anna Kendrick. Was, I mean, can you blame him? Yeah. But the movie was funny as hell. Um, it was really short, and that's what kind of made it good. It didn't. It didn't drag on. It, it definitely had like, here's your beginning, middle, and end, and there wasn't any dead time. And uh, I think the funniest part of the whole thing were the little crows that just cussed people out the whole time. Fuck you! <laughs> They're crows like flying around. So yeah, fuck you. Eat my ass. my <laughs> Just shit like that. So a murder of crows yelling obscenities is pretty fun. That fucking movie. It's it's a pretty entertaining movie. Um, and he plays the, he plays the piano in that one as well. Like I think he has a a clause in his contract with all these where he's required to play a piano <laughs> at least once. Like John Fultz is required to dance, or Vin Diesel's required to take a shirt off, or something like that. I don't know. Tom Cruise needs to sprint places. Yeah, there will be a crone on set, and it will be label facing out. So <laughs> don't you fucking. Uh, yeah. Speaking of TV shows, uh, also in 2013, he uh, started on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's Doug Judy. So if you've ever seen uh, Andy Samberg and like the Lonely Island guys and their kind of dumb situational humor, that is what Brooklyn Nine Nine is. It's a very funny show. It is all about police officers, and it's all dumb situational comedy with police officers and. Craig Robinson's character is like, quote unquote, the nemesis of Andy Samberg's character. And Craig Robinson plays a criminal. Only every time him and Andy Samberg like bump into each other, they end up becoming like really good friends and hanging out. And like the police chief needs to Mm -hmm. remind Andy Samberg. He's like, you know, he's a criminal, right? He's like, oh, yeah, right. My bad. He's like, so he's not allowed to play with your gun like he's currently playing with. And he's not allowed to wear your badge like he's currently doing. And and so I think he's in like an episode or two a season. But it's just like a it's a great recurring character. For 2014, he was in the movie Get On Up. He played a more dramatic role as the the saxophonist for uh, James Brown's band, Um, which brings us to 2015. We run into the lowest critic score. Rigby is going to talk to us about Hot Tub Time Machine 2. The first one, high expectations. Second one, well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I won't talk too much about the first one just because I think people know the premise of it. The reason I think it's important to know the premise of one or like the premise of one is because this, the premise of two is is the same, but it's different. And the, the second one, it just doesn't work. Um, basically hot tub time machine one ends with three of the guys basically altering history and improving their lives in present day. And, and Craig Robinson's character who in the first one is like this depressed guy. He's in a rut, goes, goes in the hot tub, whatever you want to say. And then he comes out, he's a successful, uh, music producer who's created these hit songs like Jesse's girl, like, uh, let's get it started. That trend continues in the second one, but the second one starts with all of these guys and their new sort of newfound success, their, their, uh, their big houses, that sort of thing. Um, but then instead of the premise of the movie is instead of them going back in time, they accidentally go 10 years into the future. God, I really wanted to like this movie cause I liked the first one a lot. I think there's a reason why I didn't see it when it came out in 2015, just because I think I saw probably saw the trailer and was like, that just looks awful. It's one of those, it's one of those movies that they just probably should not have made a sequel to. 
um, which is unfortunate because I think it taints uh, a little bit of the first one. Craig Robinson's character is, he plays this guy, Nick, who in the first one, like we talked about, he's hilarious. He sort of goes through this moral crossroads where he's, he doesn't know if he should cheat on his, his wife who doesn't exist yet. That is missing in the second one. And I think it really could have used it because it's Craig Robinson. I'll have to be honest. He did not, he was not, he didn't really have any memorable moments in this one. This virtual reality show choosy doozy revolves around Craig Robinson's character, having to sodomize another character uh, played by Rob Corddry. And it just wasn't funny. I wanted to laugh at it because it's, it's so ridiculous and over the top. It's even hosted by Christian Slater, but it just wasn't funny. I was very disappointed in it. Okay, up until this point in 2015, most of Craig Robinson's roles are comedic in nature, right? Minus Get On Up, but TV shows, movies, comedic roles. 2016, he's in a film called Morris from America that was at Sundance, which is not usually a place where his type of comedies would show. And that hits, and it and signals kind of a departure. Not necessarily a departure, but a, just an, a change in approach to the type of roles that he took on. So Warren's going to tell us a little bit about that film. Uh, Morrison America. It's pretty much a tourism video, video for Heidelberg, Germany. Uh, just a ton of, like, outside shots. You know, bottom line, like, German kids, like, teenagers are a lot fucking cooler than we were growing up. Yes. They do drugs and drink beer and listen to EDM and castles and you know, it seems a lot cooler than like taking liquor out of our parents' cabinets and filling their bottles with water. But Morrison America is kind of it's a coming of age film. Uh, he's a father, a uh, single father. His wife recently passed away, and they live in Germany. Craig uh, plays the father to Morris, and he is a soccer coach. He's basically doing the best he can to raise this 13 year old son in a foreign land where they're both disadvantaged, trying to. You know, learn to be new people, learn to be new people in a foreign land. There's a language barrier with people at work. There's a language barrier with students and teachers and stuff like that. And so the boy who plays Morris, he, he did a really good job, you know, for being a young kid playing, playing this role. Uh, he did a good job. But Craig was, and you could tell far and away, like the most successful actor in the movie and he's this he's the only really part to me that was like kind of comedic and so it was really hard to call it a comedy to begin with but he you know speaks to his son like he's you know a grown-up definitely trying to do the best he can without a motherly figure around to kind of like keep him in check you know talking talking to his son about rapping morris wants to be a rapper they're from the bronx he's like i want to be like JV, I want to do all this stuff. And he reads this like flow that he has in a journal and it's talking about banging bitches two at a time, cost ten ninety nine and all this stuff. Craig is like, You bang two bitches at the same time? He's like, No, and he's like, Cool, why are you gonna rap about it? Like, how do you know what that's about? You should talk about doing your homework and shit like that. You know, so he comes about things really sincerely, but just in a funny way that I imagine he would do in real life. Uh, but there is one good scene with him when it kind of their their relationship kind of comes to uh, rock bottom for their relationship, and his son had gone off to like Frankfurt, and so he had to go pick him up, and he's telling him a story about like how he met his mom and all this stuff, and he just it's like a three to four 
minute dialogue. He did a really, really good job of conveying all this emotion, you know, had some, some laughs in there as well, but he's just trying to connect with his son the best that he can. He does a really good job, but like overall, the movie itself is superbly average. It was given an 88 critics score on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience gave it a 60. I, I'm hard pressed to give it anything above or below a 50. It really is just like the epitome of average to me, but I really liked his role in it. It just seemed like the the director and the story in general just it wasn't going anywhere. And so anything that I like reduct uh, score from is not his fault in my in my opinion. If it weren't for him, the movie could have easily been like a twenty. You know, two notes on a, the the young kid who played Morris, Marquise Christmas. That was his first role. That's pretty impressive for your first role to go in and kind of take on a complicated uh complicated role like that and then the the girl who played his uh tutor carly yuri i thought she did a pretty good job in the film she was the only like motherly figure in the movie for morris of america i never seen the movie but i I was doing research for this episode here and i saw an interview that was really funny about it where um they asked him like oh so you had to learn german for the movie he's like yeah can you speak some german for us right now and then he says a sentence in German and the interviewer is like, Oh, what does that mean? He goes, uh, that translates to my wife is dead and my fingers are too fat to take the wedding ring off. <laughs> and like, it just <laughs> stuns the reporter right there. He's <laughs> like, okay, thank you. And by the way, that was largest critic app next year, 2017, we run into largest audience gap. This is one where the audiences tend to like a little bit more than the critics. And in this case, the movie is called Austin Found. And James is going to talk to us about that. Uh, For Audience Gap, to summarize what Warren so eloquently summarized a few uh, episodes ago, is it means that the critics dislike this movie, but your average Munson enjoyed it. And this one is actually a fairly large gap. It's actually 50 point difference, which is huge. So the critics have it at 23% and the audience have it at 73% liked it, which is one of the largest gaps I've seen while we've been doing this so far. Quick plot synopsis. Linda Cardellini plays a woman who's fed up with her kind of boring lifestyle and she actually hatches a scheme to fake her daughter's kidnapping, kind of similar to uh, the Fargo plot, in order to make her family like instant celebrities. Lo and behold, things kind of fall apart and they don't go as they seem. Uh, when her ex-boyfriend, who's played by Skeet Ulrich, and his uh, ex-con <laughs> buddy, who's played by Greg Robinson, uh, screw th- things up throughout the entire fake kidnapping. I was excited to watch this movie because, in my experience, I've never actually been able to trust critics' reviews when it comes to comedies. Like, here's some of the scores of like some of the favorite comedies I've ever had. So it's Step Brothers, 55%. Billy Madison, 40%. Uh, half-baked. 29%. The one that's the most egregious <laughs> that I could find was Grandma's Boy, which has a 16% critic score and an 89% audience oh, score. Wow. So like Yeah, it's miserably low. Right, exactly. So like when it comes to comedies, like I just assume critics like like to pretend they're only able to laugh at like the most highbrow humor where one can only respond like, ha ha ha, what a poignant observation about societal norms. Terrific. And like <laughs> deep in hell <laughs> fart or something. Like <laughs> Two comedies with really good critic scores are This Is The End and Tropic Thunder. There was probably 10 different comedies that were hysterical in that time frame where they were like, oh, those were awful. Like, how do you guys mm-hmm. choose which one? Oh, it's just because they're like, those were those were self-aware. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's So I, I ended up actually looking at Rotten Tomatoes' top uh, 150 comedies of all time. And I went to their top 10. And in their top 10 comedies of all time, based on critics' reviews, 
Three of them are from before World War II even started. Yeah, you, like you get what I'm saying. Like the average Munson, I am confident, would vehemently disagree that those are funny movies. No, uh, no questions asked. So I say all that to say this is, I didn't like the movie, and I side with the critics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great cast that's wasted on a film that doesn't know if it wants to be a comedy, a drama, or a dark comedy, and instead just ends up kind of being meh. Craig Robinson kind of shocked me with the character he played. Um, and he actually shows more range than he normally does compared to his comedic roles. He plays a softer, more emotional character than I'm, than we're all used to seeing him. And he shows actually really good chemistry in the scenes that he shares with a 13 year old Ursula Parker, who's the kidnapped young girl, um, who he has like an emotional connection with. I like that he stepped outside his comfort zone uh, for this role, but ultimately it is a completely skippable film. So I am siding with the critics. Yeah, he essentially plays a uh, a kidnapper who uh, it it makes you think differently about Stockholm syndrome because they like he's supposed to keep his mask on the whole damn time. Probably two days into getting to know this little girl, he takes it off and just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, and it's very clear that's a bad idea when you're trying to fake a kidnapping, but. He truly cares for the girl and it's like, I'm going to be your friend after this, no matter what. Yeah, like there's a couple good one-liners that he throws in there that you can tell is like his actual personality coming through. Like when they kidnap her, he's like, how am I supposed to take care of a kid? I don't know how to change diapers. And Skeet Ulrich is like, she's 13. Like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like, other than like one or two good lines here, it, it was a completely forgettable film. Just so you guys know, the last line of the movie is the little girl saying, my mom kidnapped me. I didn't even know Skeet Ulrich was still around. I didn't either. Do you think he was dead? He's I not bad. I haven't seen him in so long. He's like completely unhinged in this movie. And he's just, uh, Cardellini is like teased her ex-boyfriend into the idea that he might get to bang her if he goes through with this plot. And when he realizes that she's not leaving her husband, he just like starts losing his mind. And he's pretty good at playing like the unhinged boyfriend because like every time he calls her, she's like acting. And then he's like, is that small dick bastard sitting next to you? I'll fucking kill him. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, we're good. Thank you. Please take us off your call list. Thank you. <laughs> what the fuck are you calling me? Right, exactly. 2017-2018, he's in a show called Ghosted. Plays Leroy Wright with um, also with Adam Scott. And then in 2018, he's in a uh, an indie film also that was at Sundance called An Evening with Beverly Loughlin. It's a very absurdist film. He plays a character called Beverly Loughlin, who is a poet who sings what I think is like Irish music. I can't figure it out. But he basically grunts for three quarters of the movie because he apparently doesn't want to talk. So it's just him going, mm, mm, mm. and the outgoing credits of the movie is him. Uh, there's a tune in the background and him humming over top of it going. So if you like absurdist comedies with Aubrey Plaza, it's right up your alley. I guess he grunted. Well, that's the best (laughs) thing you could say there. It's different. It's a different role. I'll give him that. It's still comedic. Uh, And then in 2019, he is in the highest critic score, which is Dolomite is my name, which went, uh, was a Netflix film and uh, was, caught a lot of critical acclaim in case it's going to talk about that to me of all the movies we've watched this is probably the best story and better written ones in terms of just everything the movie is basically eddie eddie murphy's big comeback and um 
I remember learning about this movie months before Netflix had it out. And it was one of those that at midnight, the day it came out, I was checking to see, you know, is it on there yet? So I could start watching it. Uh, it, it's a, it was a really good movie. In the movie, Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore, who ends up taking the stage name Dolomite. The first part of this particular movie, it, it basically shows how Dolomite creates this comedic character and and how this comedic character kind of mushrooms and, and grows into a uh, an influential or, or recognized comic in, in the country. There's a real pivotal scene in the movie where he's now Rudy Ray Moore and he's hanging out with his buddies and they're watching a movie and he's just, he's irritated that the, the, perp, the people in the movie weren't funny, the movie wasn't very good, yet the audience was just dialed into it. And so he becomes convinced that if he is going to be as big as he wants to be and he thinks he should be, then he needs to go make a movie. He needs to be up on the big screen. It reminded me a lot of The Disaster Artist and the Tommy Wiseau story. You know nothing about Dan of Crack. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think uh, Rudy Ray Moore was way more intentional than Tommy Wiseau. Uh, I, think, I think now, after the fact, Tommy Wiseau is trying to pretend like, hey, I did all this on purpose. Like, no, you didn't. Wait, you're right, Craig. The parallel is the scene right after he, he premieres this movie and the owner of the theater comes up and says, hey, is this supposed to be funny? That reminds you of that scene in Disaster Artist when, he, you know, he, Tommy Wiseau is like, oh, yeah, this is very, very intentional. It has everything this movie had everything. Like you're lying. You're lying through your fucking yeah. teeth, right? Whereas Rudy Ray Moore, yeah, he he was setting to make a comedy with lots of explosions and naked women, right? That was his intention. He didn't put out a billboard and didn't put his theater his movie in the theater for two weeks to try to get Oscar potential, right? That wasn't his goal. <laughs> you know, the movie's directed by Corey Brewer, who did Hustle and Flow. He did the Footloose remake. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if it happened before or after this collaboration, but he's also going to be directing Eddie Murphy's sequel to Coming to America. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and the interesting thing on this for me, there's a pretty big spotlight on Eddie Murphy, this whole movie. It's, it's an Eddie Murphy movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up watching Eddie Murphy and watching this story unfold. I, I, I was also realizing the massive impact that this man uh, Rudy Ray Moore or Dolomite, probably more accurately, had on Eddie Murphy's comedic development. At the end of the movie, it's dedicated to Charlie Murphy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his brother. Yeah, the reason the movie's dedicated to Eddie Murphy's brother is because Charlie Murphy was the one that introduced a young Eddie Murphy to the Dolomite character. Again, as, as you start looking back through Eddie Murphy's career, there, there's a lot of similarities to the two. But there's some really cool characters in this in this movie. Craig Robinson plays Ben Taylor. He creates the the music and, and he's in charge of the music. But since there's not music throughout the whole movie, he also goes and gets food and runs errands and, and does a bunch of other stuff. And, and he's he's really good in it. Keegan Michael Key, he plays this um he's one of my favorite characters in the movie. He plays this a screenwriter who's also an acting teacher. He's always at, at conflict with the yeah. absurdity and the untraditional things that Dolomite's wanting to do. And he's just great. My, they're writing a script and, and Dolomite just keeps throwing more stuff in. And, and, and uh, Jerry's excited and he keeps writing and then you can just see him melting away like, what? 
am I doing? The, the sex scene is the best where he writes this like very passionate and like sensual sex scene. And then when it's on screen and like they have like, lean on it, the roof falls on them and like the pictures are all shaking off the walls. Dude, the best character in that movie though is Wesley Snipes. I was just going to say that. The return of Wesley Snipes. Oh, Durbell Dur- Martin. Oh my God. His facial expressions alone are phenomenal. He's the, the veteran actor turned director, and, and uh, it, it was fun. And there's just a, so many good there's so many good characters in that movie. And again, I think that's why this one's one of Eddie Murphy's best of all time because it's the spotlight doesn't get so narrow on him. You know, you've also got Titus Burgess who plays Tony. You got Mike Epps who plays a great um, comedian friend and advocate in Jimmy. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph. I thought her character was great. Uh, she played the female comedic role in all of his productions. And then you get cameos by Snoop Dogg and Chris Rock. And it's just hard to go wrong with that, right? Craig Robinson's character, like I said, he, you know, like all of those other main characters I talked about, he's running the edge of that, of that spotlight. He's a part of it. He moves it, he moves it forward and it plays to his strength. So it was an easy one for him to do well in. Yes, he did. All right. 2020, he was part of two other productions. Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made, which is streaming on Disney Plus right now. Plays the counselor for Timmy Failure. Um, has much like Warren talked about with the scene uh, in Morris from America, where he, where he has that three-minute dialogue with his son and is trying to help him understand like what is what is it like to become a man. Uh, he has a very similar type of conversation with Timmy Failure's character towards the end of the movie where they're sitting against the fence in the schoolyard and he's trying to help Timmy understand that uh, it's cool to be weird and it's cool to be unique and different and you in normal is boring. And he, that whole film is about how being unique is cool and normal is, you know, safe. So he plays a really pivotal role in that in a dramatic sense. And then he was also a voice actor in the uh, box office smash that was Doolittle. <laughs> Clearly being sarcastic. <laughs> Doolittle is a travesty. I've never seen it. Have any of you seen Doolittle? Nope. I hope but not. I did read No, I refer back to my if everyone says a movie sucks, then I'm not going to see it. <laughs> That's a golden rule of mine. Rigby, it sounds like you pulled a uh, top ten list. For I did. Us. I did. Uh I believe it's the first one that uh we're using that also includes TV shows. Usually you found ones that nice. um that just include film roles, but I don't know if his filmography is big enough yet to only include movies. So the list I found is uh, thoughtforyourpenny.com, uh, which, <laughs> depending on, bro, is is the least at least it's the it's the least sounding porn website name that we found yet. So which is good. <laughs> Foot and friends, friends <laughs> coming soon. Net. Gold. Um, so if anybody wants to take a stab at Top ten Craig Robinson movie and TV film or and TV roles. Uh, be my guest. I mean, Daryl from The Office has to be on there. That is number one. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Doug Judy. Doug Judy. Oh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, no, that's not on there. No. Oh. Well, this looks is a throw it off. Talk <laughs> for your penny, man. Toss they know it. what they're talking about. Hot tub time machine. Yeah, that's definitely on there. Yeah, that's that's two. Oh, oh, okay. Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express is three. Oh, You're oh, going wow. in order. Like Reggie Macworthy. Uh, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down. Nope. Oh, my this God. is the end. This is the end is four. four. Zach and Mary make nope. porno. Five. Uh, Lucky. Nope. 
the goods. DJ. Nope. A couple of these are a couple of these are a couple of these are dramatic roles. One we talked about, and I don't think we talked about the other one. Morris from America. Uh, that's number nine. I was thinking of another one. Wayne Ward from Peoples. Dolomite. Peoples is eight, so we're missing ten, seven, six, and five. Get on up. Get on up is five. Cleveland show. Nope. What's the drama we're missing? Uh, Mr. Robot. Did we talk about that? Oh, the TV show. Oh. He played oh. a prison. I believe. I believe he played a prisoner who like makes friends with Rami Malek's character. I I watched that oh. show, bits and pieces of it. I don't really remember it, but I think he played. I want to say he played, like he was either a prisoner or a prison security guard. Something to do with, something to do with prison. But what sucks about that show is that it was suggested to me by someone I truly don't value the opinion of, and <laughs> like despite the fact that it has like. Pretty good reviews. I was like, I'll never watch that show. So I didn't even know Craig Robinson was in it until you just said. Yeah, that's number six. And I think it's I think it's only one of those where he's in only like a few episodes. Rapture Palooza. That's ten. So I think we're missing seven. Grits in Sausage Party. Sausage Party? Yeah. He plays, oh, he he was plays in Sausage grit, Party. Grits and Sausage nope, Party. That's not it. It better not be Shrek. Nope. The way that the way that Kyle described it, uh, I haven't seen it. It's Beverly Loughlin. Beverly Loughlin, yep. That's a shocking The grunting made the list. I'm telling you, man, it is, it is unique. It's, it's worth checking out. It's a weird fucking movie, man, but it's worth checking out. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's a good mix of TV and, and film roles over the years for Craig Robinson. But I think, I think everyone could agree that The Office should be number one on his list of, if you're combining the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. If I was a betting man, I would have put a lot of money on that. All right, we're moving to the Munson meter. The approach here is we rate their career on a score of 0 to 100. The factors we look at are longevity, consistency in the game. You know, how long have they been at it? Have they been consistent over that time? We look at their pop culture impact. We look at their range as an actor. We look at their awards footprint examine do they have other talents do they sing and do they write do they produce do they direct um, and then we also look at their personal life uh, for, on a scale of saints mother Teresa types all the way to the charlie sheens the big old turds we will start with james what is great about craig robinson is also one of the things that i think hurts him in a scoring system like what we're doing so his deadpan delivery and his kind of uh, intimidating nature, but like one-liners that have like a Barry Bonds level slugging percentage (laughs) is what gets him to the score I gave him all alone, which I'll get to in a second. Like every joke he makes lands in every comedy he's in. Um, And that's tough to do. He was one of the main characters in the most successful sitcoms of all time uh, in The Office. He consistently crushes his roles, but only as a sidekick or a side character that has like a razor sharp wit and, you know, scene stealing charisma. What makes it difficult though, is what I mentioned when I was referencing comedies with the review of uh, Austin found is that we're kind of comparing apples to oranges. When we put an actor like him in the conversation of being ranked against actors who take on uh, traditional dramatic roles. So like if this was a podcast only about comedic actors, he'd be scored near the top of present day actors. Right. But since this is an all encompassing rating system, I have to give him the score of 55%. Um, he'll always be someone I go to see movies, though, because 
movies of because I think he's hilarious and I love the character that he consistently plays, which is probably pretty close to his heart. Even though critics will give it a terrible score, I will ignore that. Even though I gave him a pretty bad score here, I will also ignore that because I love all the comedies that he's in. Okay. Rigby. James summed it up well. Um, he's obviously found a, a niche that he sort of um, gets hired to, to be in these films. Um, I would like to see him do a little bit more of the get on up of the Dolomite type movies um, where he does have a little bit more of a, of a different sort of tone to his, to his acting. Um, he's obviously very funny. I mean, like I said, hot, him and hot tub time machine. The first one is hilarious, obviously hilarious. And this is the end hilarious in the goods. Those roles are all very similar to me and I would like to see him expand that. And I think he's got that capability. I really do. Um, so I'm going to give him a 65. His talents in the way that we score this um, does mean that his score is going to be a little lower. Uh, but I don't think that should dissuade anybody from going to see a movie that he's featured in, like James said. Okay. Warren? I think uh, Craig Robinson is great at what he does. Um, you know, he, he knows the strong points. He knows what he can do and he knows what he can't do. He doesn't try and overexert himself into something where you know he's not going to come off the same way like if i were to see him in a uh like a war movie like a world war ii movie i'd probably laugh my ass off. right so i'd be like he's so out of place (laughs) unless unless he's gonna be like doing a uso show and making people laugh like I, i just can't see it and so like he he does what he does and he does a really good job at it um you know this is nothing off of him um and I, I did love his roles in the episodes of The Office that I watched. I don't really give a shit about that show, and so it's hard for me to put like it up there. Uh, but it's not his fault. He's not the reason why I don't like the show. Um, but overall, I'm going to give him a uh, 59. You know, it, it, what he does it, is great. I don't know anything about his personal life, which I kind of like. Um, you know, he is talented, he plays music, and he, it's like he chose acting just because he was genuinely passionate about it. He already had, was successful being a teacher, he is in a band and does all that stuff, and he chose to do comedy because that's what he genuinely enjoys doing, and that's what he does in these movies. So, you know, like, like everybody else said, it's, you know, I give him that just because that's where the spectrum is it's all encompassing and you know if it was going to be a, a comedy podcast strictly I, I do agree he would be much higher but 59 case um i like his background as a former music teacher turned comedian turned actor um you know i think these these experiences certainly bleed really well into all of his roles uh however he just doesn't get too far out of those lanes i agree with everybody else if, if a craig robinson movie is on i'm gonna watch it if the Craig Robinson scene is on, I'm not going to turn it off. Um, but applying the same standards that we're applying, or that I'm applying to everybody else, I'm going to give him a 58. The interesting thing I I think about Craig Robinson is people love to work with him. Uh, he did an interview with Charlemagne the God, and Charlemagne asked him a question about his ability to cross over between just different circles, right? Like as an African American man jumping into a space with mostly you think of that like comedy crew right mostly white dudes mm-hmm. right and he's the african-american guy who can step in there and he kind of gives some representation in that space to other communities and i think that's cool and, and, and interesting from an award standpoint he's only been nominated for one 
and I'm going to put major in quotations, and that's an independent spirit award for his role in Morris from America. Um, and that's it. He hasn't put himself in those roles, but again, based on what I've seen in interviews, I know he wants to do more dramatic stuff. If he does more dramas and gets casted into that, maybe we'll be able to see him in a different light. And in that case, he'll get up into the upper echelon of where the other actors are. So with all that said, I'm going to give him a 60. Warren, what does that bring us in terms of a total average? That puts Craig Robinson at a 59.4. Oh, let's round up to 60 to get it up to 60. Dude, this is America. We don't round. What kind of participation <laughs> trophy shit is that? We didn't round anyone else. <laughs> I know. You're right. so we're, yep. no, no, one else, you're right. no one else has been rounded. Nope. That sounds right. Well, he's got a couple films coming down the pike here. Uh, Warren, tell us a little bit about those. He's got two movies on his IMDb for. They're in post-production, so we'll see what year right. they actually That's come true. out. One of them is The Ark and the Aardvark. Um, I don't know if this is like a VeggieTales story, but uh, it's a bunch of animals, and they're trying to get on Noah's Ark. Uh, it's got an interesting cast. It's got like Jenny Slate, Aubrey Plaza, Stephen Merchant. So maybe maybe they do a uh, sausage party in Noah's Ark. Then the next one is Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Not really sure too much about it. it says a girl with unusual powers escapes from a mental asylum and tries to make it on her own you know it's got kate hudson in it ed screen and craig robinson we'll see how that one goes but that's uh that's what he's got coming up all right we've got five actors up for consideration on the next episode again the wheel will decide the wheel decides the wheel decides the five actors we are looking at are alicia vikander Leslie Mann, Robert Duvall, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Billy Bob Thornton. So a few throwbacks in there, fellas. I'm excited for potentially Robert Duvall. I mean, we're talking a 80 year old actor who's been in it since been in the game since he was like in the tw- his 20s. So we have quite a filmography to choose from. One, one of them being The Godfather, the other being Apocalypse Now. It'd be awesome to review. I'd love to do Billy Bob just because I feel like he's had his his ups and downs in his career. I agree. Probably really interesting personal life too. Yeah, you you want to watch Armageddon? I know. Oh, it. of course. I can feel it. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to watch uh, Bad Santas. <laughs> I'll tell you who I have no interest in doing: be Lou Diamond Phillips. Like, like what are we talking about? Bamba and what else? Like, yeah, Young Guns. And- you'd be watch- you'd be watching a lot of '90s like softcore porn movies. I feel like he's in a lot of those in the '90s, just like the erotic thrillers. <laughs> can you confirm that <laughs> no i feel like he's that's that's what he was in in the 90s wasn't he maybe i'm wrong so i firmly then stand on my stance please don't land on new <laughs> <laughs> i think if we were to take uh benjamin bratt and age him 20 years you get blue diamond dude benjamin bratt was hot for a minute there the the law and order I think he married Angie Harmon. I mean, so, <laughs> I, I, yeah, uh, Miss Congeniality. But yeah, all that. even that, like, we've named two Doctor things, Strange. and that's more than I can name with Lou Diamond Phillips. So, like, if we did a podcast on him, I feel like we would spend a full hour discussing La Bamba, which in total is like an hour and a half. Like, I, I really, <laughs> we have an 80% chance of me being happy with the outcome here. Stand and Deliver is a good movie. And, have you guys ever seen that with him? Yeah. No. Well, that's a really good movie. No. It would be a lot of new. It would be a lot of new stuff to check out for sure. Yeah. Um, normally, I would say Leslie Mann, but since we just did a comedic actor and Craig Robinson, I kind of want to change the pace. Yeah, I agree. So to go back to a dramatic, uh, because I love her work. I think she's hilarious, but I think it would be a lot of Craig Robinson crossover, and so I'd be looking to do something different. Yep. 
next episode is going to land on April 23rd. Uh, we will spin the wheel on the 16th uh, to decide the actor. Um, we will have a guest on our next episode, so we're journeying into uncharted waters. We will have our first guest, and that guest is Dane Michael from over at the CF3 podcast. Good dude. He's been helping us out, helping Craig out on the editing side, and has invited us, uh, three of us, over to do their podcast. And so Dane is a... Uh, He's an Oscarologist in a lot of ways. So he, while he is a big cult film guy, he also watches a lot of the Oscar-nominated types of films. And so he uh, he brings a, a good amount of knowledge when it comes to uh, filmography. So we'd be excited to have a six months in with us. Yeah, it sounds like he'd love to review some Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> torture. That's what we call that. Absolute torture. Uh, he'll never come back. Um, so look, keep an eye out. We'll be bringing on some additional guests for future episodes, some other Munsons to, to participate in the process. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you can, as always, catch us on Twitter at Munsons at Movies. We're popping new content every day. You can catch us on Instagram at Munsons at the Movies. We will be posting questions. Respond to us. We'll repost. We love seeing the interactions. You can always email us at Munsons at Movies at gmail.com any final thoughts from the munsons make sure you fleece it out you know you give it mach 5 and you bippity boppity give me the zoppity and <laughs> until next time <laughs> i don't think we could top that that's that's ideal munsons out all right let's go Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. <laughs>